Before we get started, we just want to let you know about a few ways you can support our Grassroots Indie show. You can follow us on social media at No Bad Reviews Pod. We'd love it if you could go to your favorite podcasting app and rate us and review us. Also, please tell a friend about our podcast. And last, you can financially support us on patreon.com slash nobadreviews, buymeacoffee.com slash nobadreviewspod, and you can buy merch at our website, nobadreviewspodcast.com. Thank you, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to No Bad Reviews, colon, a coffee podcast. This is a podcast where three friends, co-workers, and coffee industry professionals get together every other week and explore our beautiful world through the lens of coffee. I'm Jenny. I run the operations at a coffee company called Modest Coffee. And I'm Marcus. And did you know that you can pick your friends? You can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Mm. Hey, that's pretty wise. Good advice. Mm Mm-hmm. Happy April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> no tricks here. Uh, I'm Stephanie. I'm the employee of the month at Modest Coffee. And I'm really excited to announce that this episode has another very special, like, employee of the millennia. Oh. Ooh, basically. Wow. Yeah. Can't Rosa wait Parks. to get to her. I, <laughs> No? I can't wait to see what the mm. uh, employee of the millennia has done. I'm really excited about this episode. It's also 100% genocide-free this week. Yay! It doesn't happen often. We I do mean, like not. an episode without genocide. It's, I guess we're going to drink the coffee. So there's it's 99% genocide-free. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, before we get on to that, I just wanted to do some money stuff. Plug. Little money business. stuff. Little business. Business. Mm-hmm. Business. Yeah. Money's business. Yeah. So we have a Patreon. No, it's a uh, patreon.com slash no bad reviews pod and starts at four dollars a month yeah you, you get, get extra content yeah every week we do just like you know they're like 15 20 minute fun episodes uh we kind of go a little bit more off the rails we just try something and we say whether we love it we leave it we talk a little bit about it it's pretty fun then at nine dollars a month you get your episodes ad free you get them released a little bit early and then the, we have a high tier, a $19 a month tier. and For you big ballers out there. Mm-hmm, for the ballers. <laughs> and so what we've decided to do for the $19 a month tiers, three times a year, mm-hmm. you get a, a birthday gift from us to you on our birthdays. Uh, so, you know, we pick out something, we send it to you, we throw in some modest coffee, we throw in a mystery box, we make it fun. But what we've decided to do for those people who subscribe at $19 a month is every month you're going to get a mystery assortment of coffees that we've tried on the podcast. Every month. Every month. Whatever we have left over from the previous month. We'll also throw in some modest coffee samples when we have fun coffees that we want to send out. So that's something we're going to add to our Patreon. Great. Yeah. Just so we can bring people along on this journey along with us. (laughs) You want to try spicy taco coffee? You were wondering about that from a year ago? Well, we will have that for you. 
Potentially. Oh, I can't I make any promises. We might already be out of the spicy taco coffee. You were drinking it, weren't I you? I was not drinking it, but I did enjoy sending it out in every mystery box that got ordered because it's the winner. Yeah. I think we might have one more sample of the Elvis. Oh, that, <laughs> was, that was the worst. That was uh, literal worst. But yeah, so mystery box. We do have mystery boxes, though. Just Those are like 10 bucks. It includes shipping. You can just go to our website to buy that. And that'll include 10 cups of coffee's worth of um, coffees and other things that we've tried on the podcast. Maybe it's something we tried on Love It or Leave It. Maybe you're going to get a bottle of alcohol. I don't know. Maybe a shirt. We don't check ID. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, um, Marcus and I might send you our alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, just a little flask of it. <laughs> Mysteries are really popular right now, guys, too. Mm-hmm. So you never know what you're going to get. But you will get fun, more fun than a box full of monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh, This box will nothing in this box will rip your ear off or anything. (laughs) Can you imagine throwing poop at you like a box of monkeys would? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Our episode is very exciting, and it's a company that probably a bunch of people know about if you're from the Pacific Northwest. McMenamins is huge. It's a huge, huge Portland, Oregon-based company. Still family-owned, still being run by the two guys, the two brothers who the founded two brothers? it. They're two brothers. The two brothers of the Pacific Northwest. This, this When we were in Portland a year ago, we went to McMenamins. Uh, we went to the one that's inside the school to watch a movie. Ooh, really? Uh-huh. There's more than one school, even. Oh. Do you know if it was Anderson or Kennedy School? Kennedy, Kennedy School. Yeah. yeah. We're going to talk about that one a little yeah, bit today. Did you like it? It was really cool. Like The, the movie theater was set up with just regular furniture but comfy furniture so that was really cool we saw licorice pizza um okay i don't know if you know much about that movie i didn't know much about going into it. It it's kind of one of those coming of age teenager hijinks sort of movies but it's kind of like weird it had like wes anderson vibes to it a bit but it was fun. It was great. It was cool. And I guess they've got like a hot tub or something or a pool mm-hmm. at the Kennedy School. It's a 90 degree saltwater soaking pool. Nice. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It reminded me a little bit like what two brothers around here is trying to do, which is like have something everywhere. But then Around where? Around here in the In the Aurora, Fox Valley? In the Aurora Number area. one in the Fox podcast. Can we please not insult the McMenamin brothers by yeah. comparing well, them? Well, that's why I'm saying I'm not comparing <laughs> McMenamin brothers to two brothers. I'm saying two brothers is maybe trying to do what they're doing. Right. They have, but done they're a not doing it well. Historic preservation of a really cool old roundhouse mm-hmm. that used to repair trains. They've turned into a restaurant and a wedding venue, which is. But that's about yeah. all the cool that they've done yeah. so far. <laughs> yeah. uh, the McMenamins, we also went to the like tap house, brew, or there's like a brew Did pub we? the first night. Yeah, it was a McMenamins uh, venue oh, as well. Oh, but we got the That food. was the first one. That was carry out, right? Yeah. So I didn't go. You just went and picked it up. I went to so fucking cool, though. It was mm-hmm. like wood everywhere, ancient looking bar. Very cool. Awesome. How was the food? Uh, the tots were fire. Food, I, re- I remember oh. being pretty good. I remember the food being good. But, you know, it's carry-out food, so by the time you yeah. get it, it's like 10 minutes cold or whatever. But I remember it being good. I feel like Portland had pretty good food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we asked a local, so we like to show up at places and ask people who are there, hey, what should we do while we're here? And the our server, that one for morning for breakfast, 
she wasn't from Portland, though. She was from Washington that drove down. I don't know. I don't know how the Pacific Northwest works. <laughs> she tried to explain it to me. and uh, But McMenamin... The Kennedy School. The Kennedy School was one that was recommended. And yeah. she said that basically they own a ton of cool restaurants and venues and bars that are fun to go to. I awesome. didn't know that they did coffee, though. Yeah, surprise. Crazy. And they have been for a while. Huh. Uh, let me just check the date on that. 2001. Over oh. 20 years they've been doing coffee. Longer than we have. Yeah. I, I wonder how locals feel about it, though. You mm. know? Because she wasn't a true local. She lived outside of Portland and commuted in for work. So I don't know if locals are like, yeah, McMenamins is cool. Or if they're like, oh, they're kind of annoying. Well, my plan had been to interview my friends Jen Dorfer and Matt but um, because Matt used to, Matt still works at McMenamin's. He used to work at Edgefield. I was going to interview them. Then I decided to just like procrastinate everything. You don't mean to beep her name, right? Last night. Yeah, you have to. No. You have to. Um, Jen Beependorfing. <laughs> um, I procrastinated for as long as possible. And then I felt slightly awkward calling my friends at like 7 p.m. on a Friday night to say, will you please help me write this episode? That's only 5 o'clock their time. It's only 5 o'clock their time. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm, you could have called. I'm looking forward to a lot of clarifications. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, right. That's, that's my plan. I want to dedicate this episode to our good friend, Gina, who is the person who brought us this coffee. She was Aww. on vacation. She's so wonderful. A huge friend of the podcast. She's been a big fan and supporter from the very beginning. Thanks, Gina. Oh, she's so great. And Guess she- what? If you want a shout out on our podcast, apparently all you have to do is send us some coffee. All you have to do. And yeah. We'll write a whole yeah. episode around mm-hmm. you. Right. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. She was visiting Edgefield and picked up this saber tooth light roast, single origin, Ethiopia, Yurgachev. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Does I that mean, make you more excited? It does make me more excited. Sounds fancy. Hopefully it's actually light. Uh, roasted January 18th. So we're a little bit outside the date. Look how For far sure. over on the light side it is, according to the that packaging. That looks really light. It looks really light. I can't wait for the olfactory reveal. <laughs> does it smell mm. right through I the bag? I can't really. It smells like paper. Bag. Um <laughs> So thank you so much, Gina, for sending us this coffee, and I hope it's good or we're holding you responsible. Hmm. I am surprised that they're selling uh, it for only $11. Yeah, that surprised me, too. Mm. And just a plain old brown paper bag. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so Mike and Brian McMenamin. Mike is the older brother and the president of the company. He was born in 1950. Brian, the vice president, born in 1957. Mike is the one who looks like he used to tour with the Grateful Dead. <laughs> He's like big beard. He doesn't look like the president of like a multi-million dollar company. Huh. He looks like, like an, a old, an old hippie, a roadie. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I feel like this already has Portland vibes. <laughs> they were both born and raised in Portland, have spent their whole lives there. They went to Catholic schools. They both graduated from Oregon State University, which is only like an hour outside of Portland. Mike graduated with a political science degree in 1974. Mm, Poli-sci. Poli-sci. And Brian with a business degree in 1980. Their dad was a lawyer, by the way, and he ended up being really helpful to them when they were first getting started with both financial support and also (laughs) legal advice. Right. 
Right. Always really nice to have both of those for right. free. In yeah. Right. Money and legal advice. It's like a for leg free. up. Right. Yeah. Um, so Mike, the older brother, graduates college in 1974. And in- old. Right. Ish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was born in 1950, you said, in 1950. Right? Yeah. So he's in a, gosh, oh, the- he's in his 70s. He mm. looks great. Mm. He looks great. And he's still partying, by the way. He's still going to shows <laughs> and having fun. Fucking you know a. what? That's the way to age. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. I would, yeah. Don't stop. Won't stop. Um, I will definitely be putting a couple of videos on our social media, by the way, so you can see these guys and hear them talk. They're in, really, they're pretty great. In our Facebook group. Yeah. No bad reviews, colon, a coffee community. That's right. Go find us. Yeah. They've both got this like kind of, aw, shucks. We just want to drink good beer and have fun kind of attitude like i don't know how real it is but yeah you know behind closed doors that you know they're pounding fists and being like profits (laughs) profits are down they sure don't act that way so he graduates from college and he and two buddies open a bar or buy a bar and they are serving which i guess you can do in the 70s, you can just like, what does a bar cost? Nothing. $100? They would give them away. I don't know. Schlitz. <laughs> Here's the thing about this bar. They served over 100 kinds of beer huh. in Dang. 1974. I'm surprised they had 100 types of beer in 1974. Right? I have no idea where they all came from. That is I, crazy. It's like, I mean, for those of you who were not around then, craft beer, like it, it just didn't exist, period. It didn't exist, period, until these guys started it, really. God like, Wow. So um, he ended up buying a second bar, but had sold both of them by 1980. They were Mm. unsuccessful. And he started a new company that was like a wine and beer distribution business. Oh. Also terribly unsuccessful. Oh. (laughs) A surprise. Just lots of of failures. Failing up. Yeah, failing up. He really... You know, I just want to say it's refreshing to have a story of somebody who did not just hit it. (laughs) Right, yeah. You know what? So many of these stories are like, this person had a bunch of wealthy connections (laughs) or a marketing background and a bunch of money and hit it big. Their first try. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Right. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I really thought we were heading in that direction with lawyer dad and lawyer dad money and... No, Mike just keeps fucking up, man. Right. Keeps fucking up. Good. Perseverance. Yeah, story of perseverance. (laughs) Love it. This is great. All Um, right, cool. So... It's like a normal person story. Yeah. This is great. Pull up them them bootstraps. So how did he bootstrap? (laughs) He, um... Yeah, that business is unsuccessful successful but he really loved meeting people who were distilling beer brewing beer yeah brewing. distilling wine yeah are they distilling wine I think you distill are they fermenting spirits. wine i think I you're fermenting, fermenting wine yeah distilling dist- spirits. spirits and brewing, brewing beer. beer yeah so he met people doing all of those things and saw how all of those things were done and, like, really enjoyed that side of, like, just that experience, that learning opportunity, I guess. Uh-huh. It was, like, really cool to him. So then in 1983, he buys another bar, hmm. which is now his first bar because he sold the others. That's one that we ate at, the first bar. The Barley Mill Pub? Yes, that's where we ate. That's awesome. Yeah. And it looked like the Grateful Dead. It was amazing. Everywhere. Inside. It was yeah. great. Okay. So that's what he did. He dec- he covered the entire thing in Grateful Dead memorabilia. He used to follow the dead. He loves the dead, blah, hmm. blah, which is really funny because that was totally the impression I got when I first saw a picture of him. Like, 
Yes. This guy's a deadhead. He, like, embodies this. Yes. Uh-huh. So he was really inspired by European pub culture. He wanted, like, a family-friendly pub. He wanted the type of place where, like, everybody comes and hang out, hangs out, and it's, like, like a real... Dad gets trashed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just some place that's, like a, like, a place for people from the neighborhood to come and hang out and socialize. Like, I guess... In the 70s, in Portland, most of the bars were seedy and dark. And, of course, everyone was smoking cigarettes inside. And it was, like, mostly men hanging out there. And he just wanted a more European pub experience. And that's what he tried to create. Here's where we come to the eternal employee of the month. Her name is Thursday Jane. She is also an old hippie. Um, Wait, was she – do you think she was born Thursday? Or did she pull, like, a Gen Z – and, like, name herself Thursday. I think she pulled a Gen Z okay. and named herself Thursday, which I think was originally a hippie thing. Mm. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody's got a favorite day of, of the week. So. Why not Thursday? Why not Thursday, right. Jane? So she's driving her Volkswagen bus. It's covered in Grateful Dead stickers. She pulls up to the Barley Mill pub. She walks in. She says she wants a job. And Mike is immediately like, yes, you're, you're hired. hired. Right. She is employee number two. Mike is employee number one. Brother Brian comes in at number three. I think it's awesome (laughs) that she's ahead of Brian on the list. Right. Still employed by McMenamins 40 years later. She's worked at every single location. Wow. This is going to be you, Steph. This is going to be me. I can't wait. Yay. I can't wait for the other locations to open. (laughs) You've worked at every single one of our locations. We just keep expanding, though. It's a really easy commute. (laughs) Take over the unit next door. (laughs) It's true. Remember when we were only in one unit? Yeah. It's true. I was thinking of the longevity Please don't leave us. Oh, no. I'm in for 40 years. Yes. For yeah. 40 years. So it's what recorded. does that mean? Um, 36 more years. Yeah. How old? I don't know. You'll I... be making like $70 an hour there. Oh, It'll be great. That'll be great. <laughs> That'll be great. No, what we got to do is hire some young people to take over the company, but all of us just stay on the payroll. That'll be our pension. Yeah. And we don't have to work anymore. We'll just still... Like have yeah. what I'm calling a pension. When you're making that much money per hour, you only have to work a few hours a week. That's true. That's great. I don't know. I'm going to have to pay for my hip replacement, though. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll have insurance by then. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Maybe the federal government will be providing health care by then. You never yeah, know. Step right in. Um, but wait. Are you suggesting that our federal government may ever work? Socialize health <laughs> For the people? No. It could happen. This if is we a, move this to is a, Europe. This is a podcast, you know, ground in truth stuff. I would really appreciate it if you stop veering into fantasy. Great. And this is where we announce we're actually moving to Canada. <laughs> okay, so um, prohibition ended and Oregon made a law that you could not serve beer in the same place that you brewed it. Got it. So there's no, like, brewery slash tap house ever. And so... Is that still a rule? It is not a rule because Mike and Brian got together with the owners of three other local breweries and lobbied the Senate, the state Senate, hmm. and managed to pass Bill Senate Bill 813, which completely changed the Oregon beer industry. Wow. Um, that law passed in 1985. And immediately, 
immediately Mike and Brian opened the Hillside Brewery and Public House, which cool. was their first brewery. They called the brewery part of it Captain Neon's Fermentation Chamber. Love it. <laughs> because Mike's nickname is Captain Neon. Are you for real? Okay. This totally guy is. Serious. That's his hippie name. I love this. Right. Captain so Neon. Thursday and Captain Neon. Uh huh. Did is... they have a. And Brian, the business major. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian. We've got Captain Neon, Thursday, and Brian. And Brian. <laughs> the three of them still go to shows together, you guys. Mm. They Aww, still hang out. This is so, so cool. so cute. So they open this brewery slash public house. Between 1986 and 1988, they open five more locations, including an old farmhouse and Oregon's first theater pub, hmm. which they open in an 1890s Swedish church. I love Dope. the fact that they're taking these cool-ass old buildings and turning them into businesses. Yeah. That, I think, is maybe my favorite part of the story after Thursday. I think, like, the historical preservation aspect of their business plan is, it's so cool what they've been able to do and the way they've been able to save some of these properties that were destined for destruction. That's well, cool. the truth is, too, is that when you're doing that historical preservation it's so much more expensive to do that than to just build a new building right mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and so like yeah you got to give them give them credit that's really cool we're jumping ahead just slightly but let's go ahead and talk about these properties they own over 60 properties in oregon and washington including 12 hotels 26 breweries Restaurants, pubs, movie theaters, music venues, and spas. Holy shit, Holy 60? Mm -hmm. They Damn. have um, a coffee roaster, a winery, a cidery, a distillery. Amazing. This is, he's. it's like they come up with an idea. They're like, let's do this. And then they do it. They really run with it and they do it themselves. They just like, oh, we need artists. We're going to have an art department. Like, we're going to do it. We're doing it. We're not going to yeah. like hire a designer to design this for us. We're yeah. going to have like a designing department and a history department. Right. And a, it's amazing. The construction team. Over half of their properties are historic rehabs. And crazy. 20 of them are on the National Register of Historic Places. Wow, that's cool. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. They were kind of considered a little weird with their brewing. When they started brewing beer, it was actually illegal to add other things to beer in Oregon. You know, it had to be like hops and malt and barley and water and like that was it. Yeah. What are these Like strange... a German beer law. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. But in Europe, they were already making like fruity beers and they really wanted to start doing that. And they did mm. it in like a really, they, I mean, they really make it sound like they were kind of goofballs about it. Like... There's marionberries growing out back. Let's throw some of those in and see what happens. <laughs> like, they're just sort of fucking around. And people were, like, a little turned off. Like, they made a beer with Mars bars in it. They did a bunch of different fruit beers. Nobody had ever seen this before. Like, this is another law that had to be changed. Oh, that's funny. So that they could do what they <laughs> wanted to do. They opened up Edgefield in 1990 and the Kennedy School in 1997. But I'm going to talk about the Kennedy School first. Yeah. Because I think the way that they preserve this school just like really tells the story of who they are mm. very well. The Kennedy School, the land was purchased from a guy named John Kennedy. 
1913, it was sold to the Portland School District. And I want to say this is just in a neighborhood. It's in a residential neighborhood. The residential neighborhood actually reminded me quite a bit of this one area in Oak Park. That's what it kind of, Mm. just like a very densely populated neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so could you imagine just a very densely populated neighborhood having what used to be a neighborhood school? Now is this venue just, you know walk down the street and go in a salt pool or whatever right. it's just it's a very or watch a movie or whatever it's just such a strange thing like a like an, a public communal space to have in just a neighborhood you know they wanted to tear it down and put in condos that Naturally. was the plan That's right yeah. um and what mike and brian do is they come in and they really talk to the community like what would you like to see here And then they go back and talk to the community again about, what do you remember about this school? Did you go to this school? Who else went to this school? Tell me the history of this school. Like, they want to understand this space and property. Mm. And it really seems like people are excited to have them. Like, you're going to, instead of these, like, horrible condo developers, you're going to come in here and just, like, bring this school back to life in some way? Like, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know how it is in Portland. I know that Illinois has like a reputation for political wrongdoing or whatever. But, you know, we right here in Aurora, we have these condo developers talking about developing along the river. Mm -hmm. And there's so much in the news right now about like starting a new TIF district and giving them a bunch of tax breaks and also like really shady donations to politicians that happen right before city council votes and shit like that. Like, Mm. there's a lot of that going on. I presume it goes on everywhere. And to have somebody like these hippies come in and be like, wait, (laughs) instead of giving us a new TIF district and a bunch of tax breaks, how about if in exchange for a slight discount on the property, we let you teach swimming lessons in our pool and give space to the park district. And you can use these meeting rooms anytime. Like, that's the exchange they make. Mm-hmm. There are two different schools that are McMenamin's properties where the park district teaches swimming lessons to oh, kids. It's like they're really trying to be a part of the community. Yeah. I love that. Right. That is really cool. Instead of just outside developers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I mean. It would be so nice if somebody local ever wanted to do something like that i think that was a cat (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you should cut that out (laughs) anyways it would be nice if people chipped in around here and developers were so were about something other than just money you know what i'd like to see is if they don't tear down that Y across the street. They turned it into some sort of like cool building and the community could pub? go swimming. <gasps> love that. Make Menemans, we got a building for you. <laughs> Expand to Aurora. Um. <laughs> That's great. They should come to Aurora. We have yeah, a perfect property for them. We do. Right across the street. Wouldn't that be so cool if McMenamins took that over and made that into something fucking cool? Do they work with Superfund sites? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't imagine that they would leave their, like, home ground area. But it's I worth know. a shot. Okay. Yeah. I know. It's worth a shot. Yeah. I know. 
So the Kennedy School has 60 hotel rooms, roughly. Oh, no shit. And each, first of all, each hotel room, it's like all the old classrooms were turned into hotel mm. rooms. And That's they so cool. still have the chalkboards. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love and that. Each room is named after someone noteworthy who came from that school. Wow. And like the history department put together a huge, huge folder. And handed it to the artist, and the artist had to come up with, like, a, a portrait or a painting for each one of those people that the rooms are named wow. after. So, like, so a, like, like, a picture inside the room yeah. to, like, honor that person. I think they're along the hallways, though. Okay. But yes. That's cool. Yes. So the cafeteria was turned into a restaurant. The brewery is in the science rooms. <laughs> There's a huh. principal's office bar in the former principal's office. Wow. Um, they have a I gift shop. They have the movie theater that you went to. and um, I think that was just like in the auditorium, it looked like, because there was like a stage yes, or whatever. Yes. I can't remember what is in the old gymnasium, because they had both a gym and an auditorium. The school was built in like 1915. It obviously was like big and yeah. very well designed when it was built. Closed down in 1975, by the way. So it was really, it had been abandoned for over 20 years. And wow. on the brink of demolition when they bought it. Jeez. It's crazy. The other property I want to talk about is the one where this coffee came from. Edgefield started out as a poor farm, a place where poor people could, like, earn their keep by farming, uh-huh. basically. Prior to 1910 in Portland, there was a home for the destitute called Hillside Farm. Hmm. It was poor people, sick people, disabled people. Um, a coalition of people from charitable organizations went to go check the place out and were horrified just like horrified by was like they described it as deplorable crumbling disgraceful were the words they used i think that's pretty common yeah right back then sure anytime you went to a poor house or whatever so they petitioned the multnomah county commission to build a new poor farm And that became the Multnomah County Poor Farm that was completed in 1911 in Troutdale, Oregon, with the mission to help the poor become self-sufficient through farming. It eventually grew to almost 350 acres, 600-plus residents. Wow. They They had meat and mush tables. So if you were a strong, healthy person capable of working on the farm, you got to sit at a meat table and you were fed meat three times a day. And then at the mush tables. <laughs> like just get oatmeal or something? <laughs> you got meat once a day. And that was people who were too infirm or mentally ill or whatever to, wow. to work. They so still got meat once a day. They still so. got meat once a day. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean... I mean, we've come a long ways in our treatment of the poor. We could go a little further. I don't know that we've come that far, honestly. Sounds like we've gone back, right? Like, at least they got meals. Now it's like, yeah, fuck, figure it out. Yeah, totally. Good fucking luck. Nobody's, like, offering poor people a job and a place to live. I mean, maybe not at a government level. I think there's some nonprofits, though, that are doing some really nice things. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll defend the nonprofits. Okay. I'm I'm not trying to, like... I'm not to, just the nonprofits, but like the county does right. not have a farm where you can go and live. Right. right. The government's passed that off to the nonprofits. Yeah, they've privatized help. Although there is okay. like some Section 8 
some that's public true. housing. That's true. There is food stamps nowadays. That's true. You're mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Okay. Fine, Jenny. Okay. Fine. Okay. <laughs> In defense of the government. <laughs> Thank you to the owner of the company for talking about how capitalism has worked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the poor farm, they had a herd of Holstein dairy cows. They had 100 hogs, which they butchered there. They had like a a processing plant there. Um, Six or 700 chickens, some for eggs, some for meat. They had vegetables, fruit, hay, grains, 27 acres of potatoes. Fucking A. Not only did they feed. Yeah. That's a lot of potatoes. So 600 people living there, all fed. Also. That's more potatoes than they need. Right. The county jail, the local hospital, and a juvenile home. Wow. All were like, this is where all of their food came from. Amazing. You know what? This is not a bad. This is not a bad situation yeah like if they had people who are in prison now farming i mean i mean i think that's better than just like mopping floors and doing laundry right yeah i I feel like it's like it's a little you're getting to get outside i mean you're learning a skill i would fucking run though i'll tell you if they let me go farm you know i think there's still a fence i I do believe there would probably still be a fence um but i'd hide hide in the crops well it's like the people are out (laughs) nobody would find me maybe that's why they're growing potatoes because those plants don't grow very tall (laughs) (laughs) um maybe people are just better off sitting around in the yard in prison just chilling all right. So the modern so, day prisons and modern day farms are both uh, filled with issues. You know what? M- modern day is filled with issues. <laughs> um, 1930s, post depression, the New Deal created a bunch of jobs, and the poor farm uh, lost a bunch of people to that, which was a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then post World War II, the welfare and social security programs were much better, and that dispersed pretty much what remained of the residents. Um, for a little while, it was used as a jail. For a while, it was used as a nursing home. By 1985, it was destined for demolition. Defunct, yeah. All of these buildings. Like, there had been a lot of, like, teenagers doing graffiti and starting fires and that kind of shit. And, um, yeah, so the state or the county, I guess, wanted to tear it down. And the Troutdale Historical Society freaked out and was like, what are we going to do? We have to save this place. Um, And I don't know if you've seen pictures of this place, but it's Mm -mm. like gorgeous, these huge brick buildings, and it's really beautiful. Yeah, they used to give nice stuff to the poor people back in the day. Enter McMenamins. Enter McMenamins, 1990. They finally were able to go through with the purchase. Um, And their plan was to turn it into a destination resort. Um, It was 74 acres at this point. The farm had been chopped up and sold off but you know the buildings and the main part of the land here is what is there right now can i just also say though 74 acres like in the pacific northwest beautiful Mm -hmm. i'm sure it's got to be gorgeous it is just like i read a bunch of reviews of this place and multiple people just described it as magical yeah just like so so beautiful Mm -hmm. um all right so here's what they've got there a distillery, a brewery, a winery. They grow their own grapes. Numerous small bars. 
multiple restaurants, a spa, a soaking pool, a golf course, a movie theater, event spaces, a live music venue with a capacity of 7,000 people, over 100 hotel rooms, and hostel accommodations. Huh. That is cool. It is like adult Disneyland. It is like you can just go and... Like, never run out of things to do. You just stay right there on the property. <gasps> beautiful gardens. Everyone, like, went I on and on that. about how beautiful. And I know. Troutdale, it's, like, outside of Portland. I'm not sure how far. I mean, not far, yeah. but. I remember seeing signs for Troutdale. Did we maybe drive through it when we went to the know. coast? I know. I we went know. to Astoria, but that was, uh, yeah, feels like a missed, uh, whatever. I'm sure There's we'll a reason back. to go back, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is really cool. I guess it's just filled with art, just filled. Filled, filled, filled with art and historical artifacts. And um, yeah, the reviews are mostly very good. Amazing grounds. You can walk around, do tons of activities. Um, The bad reviews complained about the hotel rooms being very loud, like thin walls. Mm. You have to share bathrooms. Mm. And so if you get stuck with a room by the bathroom, it's just like noisy all the time and no air conditioning. Mm. Well, you don't really need it out there mostly, I think. Well, I guess it's getting warmer. We were talking earlier, global warming isn't great for everyone, just us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine in the Midwest, you know. The Midwest is headed towards becoming the pacific northwest as far as i can tell Mm. without freezing temperatures and more rain that'd be great sounds great yeah um i looked up the the calendar of concerts because i was curious what kind of bands were playing there in a seven thousand feet auditorium their june lineup is the national with soccer mommy the yeah yeah yeah's death cab for cutie bare naked ladies and diana ross so they got real everybody it's a good lineup right wow Remember that um, one time that Aurora almost got Snoop Dogg? <laughs> <laughs> it, all, it came so close to happening. I know. I know. Um, 1990, when they bought Edgedale, is when they officially got a historian on staff and now Something have an so entire cool. history department. Um, <laughs> it's great. Like, what other business does this? Yeah. Right. Um, 1991, they hired a full-time environmental recycling guy. His name is Scotty. He still works there. That's cool. Wow. Um, and also the full-time artists and art department, they had always been putting art in their um, in their different locations, but it had been like servers and bartenders and cooks who had artistic skills, who were doing all the murals and paintings. And this is when they were like, okay, if you guys want to like stop waiting tables and just be full-time artists, huh. we'll pay you to do that now. Wow. Oh, cool. That's really cool. And that was because Edgefield had so much to be done. Wow. Um, okay, so another thing they do is these history talks. They do um, talks and events related to local history, which is name a bar that does. <laughs> um, so upcoming history events in April – Race Talks, Racism and Colorism, A Conversation with Artists. You're not allowed to do that in some states nowadays. (laughs) That's at the Kennedy School. The word racism is now legal. (laughs) In Florida, yeah. Um, Behind the Screen, Tap Dance, Race and Invisibility During Hollywood's Golden Age. That's an author talk and book signing at the Baghdad Theater. And Stuart Udall and the Politics of Beauty, a documentary being shown at the Kennedy School. So every month they have these like weekly events where they do 
like learn come learn something about history and Sounds have like a, a microbrew. Awoke activities. <laughs> yes. It get, seems like a very get woke. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think it's it doesn't feel like around here there's very many businesses that like privately owned businesses or whatever that have regular events like that. Like events like that seem to be more at places like the library mm-hmm. or you know, that, that quilt thing I went to at the City Hall. Yeah. It all seems to be a, a lot more publicly funded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really interesting that they're doing these things as just like a company. Yeah. Hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, we are, we're just like rolling right along here. I'm really proud of us staying hey, on hey. track. Fucking A. We got to the coffee already. Wow. Well, shall we brew some coffee? No, oh. yeah, Marcus. <laughs> oh. I'm going to tell you about oh, the coffee of course. first. <laughs> I'm not itching for a cup or anything. I'm ready, too. Um, so they, as I said earlier, 2001 is when they started roasting their own coffee. Um, it's in just like a little house in Portland. It's at 421 Northeast Knott Street, and they do tours Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 2 and 3 o'clock. Huh. But it's like a tiny house. It's yeah. like a little tiny house. And... They have like a 35 kilo roaster. Okay. That's it. Maybe that's what we should do to get people in. We'll just say we're doing tours. Once a week tours. Once a week. That'd be fun. Yeah. It would be. Between, you know, we'll give a two o'clock tour and a three o'clock tour. On Mondays? Mondays are a little busy. Yeah. (laughs) I put it by the end of the day. Marcus is already there. The coffee roaster's warmed up. You know, I just feel like it's a, it's a, it's a, tours are a, our ploy, I feel like, of a cost, you know, a small house. And what does a tour take? Like three seconds? There's a roaster. Right. I now know, buy something. I was kind of thinking the same. <laughs> yeah. Exit through the gift shop. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which would just be past your desk. This is great. I love it. Take a, take a page out of their book. But then actually, Mondays, especially when the coffee's all just been roasted, like, take a tour. Get a bag of coffee just roasted today. Mm, still warm. Still uh-huh. warm. Yeah. Okay. Writing this down. <laughs> I have actually dumped coffee straight from a roaster into from the cooling tray into a bag who for people who have come that? in. Right. That's I love great. doing that for people. Sure. I'm like, oh, it just dropped out of the roaster. Let me just go get it out of the cooling tray for you. <laughs> people feel special. Yeah. That's I do. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So come by. <sighs> on a Monday afternoon. We should make it official. Why not? Put sure. a little event right out there. Are we really making it official right now? Because, like, I'm still working at 2 o'clock on Monday. Like, don't bother me. Just go straight yeah. to Marcus. Right. <laughs> we may have to hire um, a teenager or something. But that's fine. That's fine. You know, if, if enough We're people show up... It. If enough people show up, we'll, we'll accommodate you. Let's just say that. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Stay tuned. Either I will or somebody else will. Somebody else, like the only employee. (laughs) (sighs) A wink. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the very first coffee roaster they hired was a woman named Donna Maskell. They hired her in 2001. She's a really interesting person. Um... In the mid-90s, she and her family moved from California to Portland, her husband and a couple of kids, and they wanted to start their own business, but they didn't know what they wanted to do, so they just started looking around for businesses for sale. Hmm. 
All right. <laughs> and they found Captain Bean's coffee roastery. And Captain Bean was incredibly <laughs> motivated to sell. Wait, and, so we got Captain Neon and Captain Bean now? Yeah, we got two captains on this episode. Hey. Amazing. <laughs> no colonels, though. Just you. Mm, just me. <laughs> so um, they purchased this coffee roastery from Captain Bean, and she just, like, threw herself into learning about coffee. Um, this was, like, mid-'90s. And she ended up becoming one of the region's, like, First female master roaster. Um, she apparently had like an amazing palate, uh, an encyclopedic mind for coffee, roasting techniques, character, quality of beans, place of origin, farming practices, like any topic you brought up with her, she would just like go on and on and on. She hmm. just like knew everything. Super into it. Yeah. Library books about coffee that she would loan to whenever a new roaster started. Like, look at all here. Any of these books you want to read? Wow. <laughs> like, who's this into it, right? She had a handmade whirling dervish costume that she would wear to events. I don't even know what a whirling dervish is. Please Please tell me. Yes, let us please take a moment to talk about whirling dervishes (laughs) because it actually ties into the Turkish coffee episode too. This was like the Turkey, Persia area, 1300s. You know about this, right? Yep. Um, There's like, uh, it's like the Sufi Muslims. It's like, uh, it's like a sort of an Islamic mysticism. It's like a more direct relationship with God than other types of Islam. So you're like directly communicating. So the whirling dervishes would wear um, a camel fur hat. A camel? Oh, camel, camel fur. fur I was thinking a camel head. Like they. Like, oh, that would be even better. I no, was... <laughs> it was just camel fur. Okay. And then um, like a tall hat, something about uh, easier to communicate with Got in the hat. And then, like, a huge white skirt, and the skirt would, like, fly up when you spun around, you know, Mm. like a little kid spinning around in a big dress. And they would just, like, spin and spin and spin and spin until they couldn't spin, like, to make themselves dizzy, to, like, alter their consciousness, Mm. to bring them closer to God. Naturally. Okay. And then uh, coffee showed up, like, in the region, and they were like, oh, my God, we can spin all night (laughs) so much faster with this coffee and so coffee became it was like a religious ceremony and coffee became part of the religious ceremony and And they're drinking it with amber grease and yes and and evergreen shrubs (laughs) sure and spinning all night in their crazy skirts wow and they are given some credit for spreading coffee around the region because they were also spreading their own brand of sufi islam yeah wow yeah interesting Oh, cool. Yeah. So those are the whirling dervishes. And that was like one of those funny details that Donna was like grabbed onto. And like, of course, she knew everything about the whirling dervishes and their coffee ceremonies. And she would show up to every event in this crazy whirling dervish outfit. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. So cool. Yeah. Sadly, she passed away in 2007. She was only with the company for six years. You should see like the beautiful story written about her on their website. Like it's the first thing you go to their coffee page. It's like you can buy this coffee. What's the history let us tell you all about this amazing woman, Donna. Wow. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, the coffees, they have blends, single origins. They do put out specials, like they had a St. Patrick's Day special coffee, but no flavored coffees. Okay. It's like the St. Patrick's Day blend is just a coffee that goes really well with whiskey. Love it. Ah. Right? 
They say all the right things, you know, small batch roasting, sourcing, equitability, sustainability, small farms, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, it's a 35 kilo, kilo Probat gas drum roaster. That's of a German brand? Probat is German, yes. Um, 70,000 pounds a year. Wow. Weekly deliveries to each location. Hmm. I see you doing the math in your head. I'm not trying. I mean, I'm trying, but my brain. 70, that's 10,000 a a month. month? 6,000. 6,000 a month, yeah. You guys want to guess their estimated annual revenue? Oh, God. With all of that they have? Yeah, they're probably like 100 million plus, 300 million a year. It's got to be so much. I can't even imagine how much. They own all of Portland. Yeah, what's the, what's, the, what's the economy of Portland? Uh, the figure I read was 180 million yearly. What did I say? Between yeah. 100, one and crazy. 300. It's like right it's mind-boggling right though. That's yeah. so much money. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention this about. Um, they do give some money to charity. I don't like. I'm sure at the corporate level they make charitable donations also. But they decided that each location should make their own charitable donations and the manager of that location should decide on the charity Hmm. because that way the money would be more likely to stay in the neighborhood and be put towards useful things as opposed to like somebody at headquarters making all those yeah that's cool cool. right it sounds to me like they're doing the best they can running a gigantic bazillion dollar company yeah right you know it's it's not going to be perfect but they're doing their best to do their best i was pretty happy with what i read about them like i mean they seem they seem like nice guys yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i like that yeah well shall we brew some coffee yes all right modest coffee roasts the highest quality single origin coffees without the snobbery they take the guesswork out of buying specialty coffee by carefully curating green coffees and sorting them to one of their tiers based on cupping score, price, flavor notes, and roast level. Go to www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Pip pip chewio! And we're back. And the coffee is being poured, and I'm so excited to drink it. Yay. Do we have beans? Yeah, I want to smell these. Olfactory, Olfactory reveal. reveal this ish. These are whole beans, yeah? Yeah. Yes, whole beans. Ooh, they smell great. They look pretty fucking light, Marcus. Yeah, Steph, I know you know uh, normally go for light roasts. I know, they sm- it smells Steph good, Steph is becoming more of a light roast person as we... <laughs> it took four years, but I'm finally willing to mix in a little of that collector. I know. They Great. do look light. Are you ready to catch, yes. Marcus? I'm going to try. Let me just roll this up nicely. <laughs> so we don't know who's roasting any longer? Uh, they haven't been there long enough to get a page. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I did read about like the first coffee roaster and the woman who replaced her. Okay. But I'm actually not sure. We actually used these bags for a long time. Yeah, we did. We had a much fancier roll style, remember? Do you yes, remember? Yes, I remember your ridiculous roll style. No, it looked good, though. It looked good. Sorry, Steph. My thumbs would cramp up. Huh. Good thing we're not using those oh, now. Oh, yeah, these do look nice. Light roast? Yeah, they smell really good. I always forget that Marcus only has half a thumb, and I'm like, where is it? Um. Yep. 
Thumb's gone. And coffee, though, looks good. S- smells good. Olfactory reveal. Olfactory reveal. It smells a little old, but that's okay. Old factory reveal. <laughs> we tried to get to it. You know, we've got our, we kind of got our schedule worked out a few weeks in advance. Yeah. So we got to it as soon as we could. I mean, three months isn't that bad, though. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that long. It's like two and a half. Hmm. But it doesn't have um, those like Ethiopia notes that I would expect from a Yergachev. I'm surprised by that. We've had a yoga chef before. Tell us what you expect here. This seems more like a Brazil or something. You know, is this? Does it say if it's washed or if it's natural? Oh. Let's see. Let's find out. Yoga chef. This coffee was roasted for our Sabertooth Music Festival. Okay. Mm. Rock and roll coffee, bright flavor, floral notes of jasmine, lemon is the perfect antidote for late night shows. Um, it doesn't say. My guess is that this is a washed. Ethiopian mm. coffee. Mm. So natural is going to have all those light, bright, fruity, you know, um, mm-hmm. flavors. Like a little bit sweeter. Yeah. Well, depending on how it's roasted. Um, washed coffees are going to be cleaner, more that fruitiness is going to be subdued. Um, and then you can get some more like citrus notes and floral notes, which this is what it's claiming, right? So citrus and, and jasmine. So my guess is that this is a washed Ethiopian Right? Huh. Well, they do have an Ethiopian natural on their website, dry processed coffee. Okay. Coffee cherries are harvested and laid out on patios to dry with the fruit left on the seed. We roast this at a city roast. Makes up a third of our morning blend. But it doesn't say that it's the saber tooth. So I don't, and I, and they don't have the saber tooth on their website anymore. That must have been just for a second. Oh, okay, interesting. It did say for their saber tooth music festival. Yeah, but that wouldn't have been two months ago. Let's look up when that was. Um, they are doing this music festival where they host the. It's like a small music festival, so they can host the bands at several of their locations. So the bands are basically doing a tour. Of McMenamins. Huh. How cool. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Hmm. I would say I added a little bit of milk to it. And to me, it does not taste what I'm like, what I would normally expect from like a Ethiopian yogurt chef. It doesn't taste as light as I would expect from a light roast, but it does taste like a really good solid medium roast. And I added some milk to it. It's really nice, really smooth. What do you think, Steph? It's doing it for you? I mean, like I said, I like it. I, d- I don't like it for what it says it is, but I like it for what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I'm definitely getting the citrusy mm-hmm. yeah. notes for yeah, I'm sure. I'm getting citrus notes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, even though I'm, I'm beginning to accept light roasted coffee this is definitely that category of like um soury tartness that isn't my favorite thing yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know so the coffee itself it, I, you know it's not bad yeah perfectly f- acceptable i feel like it's kind of like run of the mill of like a light roast entry level um, I, I mean like 
I, I'm perfectly happy with this coffee. I drink this mm-hmm. as it is. I don't need anything else. I feel like the more I drink, the more I want to drink. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. Yeah, it, but it's not like too tart. Right. It's not like too acidic. And it's not too... I wouldn't... Yeah, I would not complain nope. if someone served me this coffee. No complaints. It's not bad at all. Right. I wouldn't go like freaking out to my friends and be like, oh, God, you got to try this fucking coffee, you know? Like I've had some Ethiopians and I'm like, you got to fucking try this. Like that's the coffee, <laughs> you know, that, I think, I, I don't know if I've told this story, but it's like that's the coffee the, the, that made me want to start roasting coffee oh. was an Ethiopian yurg that tasted like purple, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's the guy that roasted it, gave it to me. He's like, it tastes like purple. Um, that's like old modest coffee lore. Right. And so... Yeah, so I know what that, you know, after you get bit by that white rabbit, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, how far that, that goes. And, th- you know, I don't think this is going to go make anybody want to go start a coffee roasting company. That's it. That's my honest, not We're bad We're not review. asking for honest. We're asking for not bad. That's my honest, not bad review. <laughs> right. But if it is, I'm perfectly acceptable. I like this. I like this a lot. I think it's good. I do want to try it, I think, since McMenamin's does uh alcohol i really want to try it with our new alcohol from <laughs> nearest uncle Green. nearest uncle Aww. nearest we gotta do an episode now don't we on uncle nearest like a mini like maybe we like a do bonus it a episode it. bonus um we could I get feel like we jack talk- daniel's flavored coffee and tell the nearest green story that way is nearest green okay. associated with it was a jack daniel's oh okay it's i thought that it was- invented the recipe basically for jack daniel's uh-huh. I thought... What's the slave? But I th- oh. We talked about him on the other episode. Okay. The, um, the Jim Beam. Jim, Jim Beam. Beam. That's where I thought Nearest Green was. He was with... No, he was not with Jim Beam. No, He yeah. was with Jack Daniels. Yeah. Oh, let's do yeah. that. Okay. I want to see that. Or I want to... I really want to learn about Uncle Nearest. Okay. Um, Well, I need that whiskey quickly. Is it so that I Because I will drink all this it's coffee. It's right under it's the own. table. It's really, like, it's super easy to drink. It, like, it's the best of, of Ethiopians in that regard, where it's, like, just super easy to drink and really tasty. It's, you know what? It's a very smooth coffee. I think it's really great with a little hint of milk, but I didn't even have to do sugar or anything. Yeah. It's, it's just a really great, like, good coffee. Yeah. Solid. It's a solid coffee. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a base hit. That's what this is. So oh. you're on you're on base. I think when you take the price into consideration, it makes it even better because mm-hmm. a specialty coffee at eleven dollars for a twelve ounce bag is yeah. like almost unheard of. I feel like sure. right. Yeah, eleven dollars saber tooth in a in a paper bag. <laughs> you know, and uh, that's fine. That is a fine. It's a good value. That's a double. I'm going to bump, bump that up to a double. All right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Far worse things you could spend $11 on, let me tell you. That's right. Mm-hmm. So let me try this. All right. Yeah, so the nearest green whiskey uh, was how much? Like $60 for that bottle? I got I splurged for the more expensive one because I figured that, the you know, like, eh, well, the podcast is paying for it. So. <laughs> there was like two levels. There was okay. one that was like 35 or something. No? No. There was one that was 55 and there was one that was 65 mm. And I was like, well, it's fucking 10, 10 more dollars. I'm already going to spend a lot of money. 
But find this Uncle Nearest is supporting a black-owned business. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Is it the descendants of him, or is yeah. it just named after him? No, it's the fucking granddaughter honoring my great 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 grandfather. Sorry, Whoa. not grandfather. I wow. believe, awesome. and it's Lady Edie Butler. Awesome! Wow. Yes. So it's her great 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 grandfather. Wow, that's pretty cool. It's fucking cool. Did you smell this? It's like, uh, it's like. Are you sure I put enough in there? Do you want more? It smells great. No, I'm fine. I don't want to disappoint you okay. with not enough whiskey. And also, you're not allowed to drink it when I'm not here. Okay. <laughs> because it's no bad reviews whiskey. <laughs> you're so serious right now. You're like staring me in the eyes. Like, you cannot. Don't you dare. Don't fucking do it. That's a lovely combination. It really is. Yeah. I feel like this takes it up a notch and yeah. where it's like, this is really nice, the two together. We haven't really talked about our process in months, but we do try the coffee black. And then if we want to add something to it, cream, sugar, whiskey. What happened to, there used to be whipped cream consistently, Jenny. Have, just, are you off the, no, off the whip? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm still on the whip. Proudly on the whip. Um, <laughs> we just haven't had a coffee that needed it. I feel like this is, yeah, the first t- time. And I don't even say this needed it, but I just wanted it. Man, yeah. guys, um, I think we got to get back to our roots. We've been trying coffees that are just like too easy. Too good. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm actually okay with these coffees we've had lately. They've been really nice. Because like, what have we done lately? Let's see. I don't even remember what we've done lately. Mm. We haven't had a good K-cup coffee in a while. It's been a we while. Get back to the I mean, Hebrew machine. coffee was pretty good. Um, well, we had the La Colombe was good. Well, that was like a Cologne. the Hebrew coffee, anodyne, pocket latte, history of the last two weeks, history of decaf, <laughs> history of eggnog, jolliest bunch of assholes that coffee. That would have been the last one. Yeah, it's been months. I can't believe how long it's been. What a delight, man! A delight. What are we yeah. doing? People signed up because they wanted to hear us try spicy taco coffee. <laughs> Choke not down like terrible coffee. Not <laughs> like fucking McMenamins. <laughs> All right, we got to well, get back to our roots. Our next one's got to be a weird one. Well, you, dear listener, will get to have to have to find us a. Uh, a, uh, a horrible coffee. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, a not, not bad horrible. coffee. Wink. A not bad coffee. Um, so who? before we get into this, who is this coffee for? Well, according to the back of the bag, it's for people who stayed out too late last night listening to music. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that seems fine for that. I feel like this is I feel like this is gonna be a pretty well liked coffee to whoever tries it. Yeah. I think it this coffee is if you for the person who is on vacation in Portland and visits the <laughs> McMenamins and sees a bag of coffee and is like, That's the souvenir I wanna take home with me. Hmm. Because beer is a little hard to carry on a plane. Right. You could you know, I don't know if you can get that past if you only have a carry on. <laughs> you know so this is great if you're looking for a little consumable souvenir and i think especially if, you, if your friends have a, a coffee podcast if you took a little too much acid in the 70s <laughs> i think this coffee would be perfect for you what if you took too much acid like last weekend i got is a different coffee good? for you oh for okay that. yeah stay tuned next week <laughs> i'll tell you all right. Well, I guess that was a great episode. Oh, uh, Steph, good job. Thanks, oh, Steph, thanks. for a great story. I really enjoyed learning about the McMenamins brothers. Yeah. And then uh, thanks, Gina, for bringing this home to us from your vacation. I hope you had a nice time. 
in Oregon. Yeah. And um, to all of our uh, our Coava listeners who we met on our trip, you know, I'm sure you guys have stuck with us uh, for a year and a half listening. So. <laughs> um, you know, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, I think we, we missed out on going to the SCA Expo in Portland this yeah, year. It's two weeks. Aww. I know. Next Aww. year. Next year in Chicago. I'm not traveling whoop. for shit right now. Yeah. Um, so anyways, thanks everybody for listening. You guys are the best. Send us coffee. Send us your coffee suggestions to Modest Coffee. Just Google it. Peace out. Thank you for listening to this podcast, generously sponsored by Modest Coffee, purveyors of single-origin coffee without the snobbery. Visit www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Enjoy.